Hi guys. Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we're the Judgy Crime Girls. Here again with another murder. It's what you came for. It's why you tuned That's in. That's why I'm here every Thursday. Because our hearts are dark. Muscle. <laughs> Black. <laughs> Jaded. Oh, I tell you what, it's so beautiful outside today. It is. I think this weekend is going to be gorgeous. Agree. Did you see that they have a primary suspect in the Delphi murders? I saw something, but I'm not... Uh, I tried not to get too into it because that case is still consuming. Uh, way too consuming, I should say. And until they have something really, really concrete... I don't know, but it was mentioned on another podcast I listened to the other day, and they said the Delphi murder. And I'm like, mm, they're Delphi. not from Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> We're the real deal, guys. Yeah. That's our murder. It sure is. We need we need to do that murder. It is. Ugh, it just breaks my heart, and it's been way too long. We need to know... Well, that suspect had a nine-year-old in his basement. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah. I want to read more about. Okay, now I I don't have any more new news. Excuse me while I open my Google. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to barge into your house tomorrow night Mm -hmm. with my pajamas on and popcorn because the woman in the window comes out tomorrow on Netflix. Oh, I saw that. I am so excited for that. Do it. I'll be home. (laughs) It's based on a book by A.J. Finn. And it's one of those psychological thrillers. Um, And it's got like a storyline where there's twists and turns Mm -hmm. and where you don't know what's real and what's not. I love those. She suffers from agoraphobia. Mm Mm-hmm. And she has all these anxiety disorders. And she herself is a psychologist. So she sees this murder happen through the window, but she can't do anything about it. I can't wait to watch it. Because she can't go outside. It reminds me a little bit of another movie. Um, It had Shia LaBeouf or whatever his name is. And the Transformer. No, was it? I don't know what it was called, but he kind of witnessed a murder from his window, but he was on house arrest. He couldn't <laughs> he couldn't get beyond like the fenced in front yard or something. So this one stars Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, and Julianne Moore. Oh my gosh, Gary Oldman. He can do no wrong in my eyes. I really like him. I like all of them. That's going to be a good one. So I'll be at home wearing my jammies as well. And you're more than welcome to come over and bring your popcorn. And I'll have the Pepsi for you. I'm a, I'm a Coke person. Oh. And I should say Coca-Cola. You need to bring that tray of tequila that you have. <gasps> yes. She has a special serving tray. With tequila shots. And they all, six of them, have my name on it. They do. They all say Andrea. Jesus, why can't I talk today? You're not supposed to drink before the show. Don't rat me out. Totally (laughs) threw me under the bus. Nice. (laughs) Nice going, Andy. 
Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Lots going on. I want to get some flowers. That's for sure. I didn't do it last weekend. It was so crummy last weekend. So cold. So, yeah. So what you got going there today? We are doing the music box murder. <gasps> do you like music boxes? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't dislike them. I never really had one. It's like, you know, with the little ballerina that twirls and spins and plays, I don't know, Beethoven or something. <laughs> my, my mom had one in her bedroom growing up on her dresser. And I don't know about you, but you know, I was mischievous as a child. I know it's hard. Not you. I know. I know. <laughs> I would sneak in there and wind it up and play it, you know, and eventually I totally stole it. And mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's in my dresser to this day. I still have it. It's adorable. Amber, I know you remember this if you're listening. It's a little white porcelain piano, and then there's a bear on top uh-huh. that would spin when you would play it. And and yes, I have it, and I should have brought it. But uh, I do like music boxes. Mom, I did steal your music box, and Jamie, I'm sorry. Jamie, she just said where it was. <laughs> Go right now. No, don't you dare. That's my childhood. Anyway, music boxes are so funny because they can be so pretty and beautiful. Mm -hmm. They can. But they can also be so creepy. Yes. (laughs) When they go off by themselves, because Malia had one of those. Oh. And it was passed down in the family Mm -hmm. and was given to her. And that thing, I swear, the ghost of the person would come and play it because it would just go off in the middle of the night. Annabelle. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Creepy. It was. Because, you know, when you wind it up, wind it up? Yeah, wind it. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of hard to turn. I mean, they're not loosey-goosey here, you know, where they're just real easy... Uh, I mean, you have to really kind of turn it. So when they go off by themselves, that makes you that just... Mm-mm. Something isn't right. Doesn't sit right with me. No. And that's exactly what happened here in this story. Oh, okay. So if you like creepy stories, this one's for you. I'm here for it. If you like bad gifts, this <laughs> one's for you. <laughs> <coughs> oh. Do they still sell those? Sure. I haven't seen any of them, but I've never looked for one either, so I'm probably totally oblivious. Now we have to go buy one. Yes. (laughs) No. Let's go to the mall. Things remembered. (laughs) You've probably gotten a bad gift, probably never one this bad, but when 22-year-old Gary Shara gave his young wife a music box he bought at a Britney's, Carden gift shop. It was like a little Hallmark store. Mm. He told her a little old lady with gray hair had sold it to him and she had no reason to doubt his story. Now, why would he go out of his way to tell her? It was a little old lady. Yeah, why are you Too many me details, that? already suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> 
She loved trinkets, and Gary knew that. That is until a pretty, blue-eyed woman who worked at the Agawam store disappeared during her night shift in April of that year. Her name was Lisa Zeigert. At just 24 years old, she was fun, vibrant, and had this mass of 80s curly chestnut brown hair. Aww, I love it already! With 80s earrings to boot. And she had a lot of friends and a steady boyfriend. And I will post a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Me talking about it doesn't do it justice. She I was just see that hair. so cute. Yeah, the hair. I mean, can you imagine the amount of rave hairspray? Was no, it no, rave? No. It was Aquanet. Aquanet. <laughs> Aquanet was all up in that thing. Ah, it was the best hairspray ever. So Lisa loved Aquanet. And she loved children at the middle school where she worked and hoped one day to become a special education teacher. Yeah, she was a sweetheart. She had just graduated college. She loved art and music. She played the sax and the flute. And she was the type of person, if her favorite song came on the radio, she would pull over to the side of the road and dance. (laughs) Dance it out. Good for her. (laughs) She worked a second job at Brittany's to make ends meet because we all know teachers don't make enough. I'm afraid. They don't. They still don't. They still don't. Nothing's changed. So Lisa told a friend she felt like she was being watched in the weeks leading up to her murder. And she didn't know who it was or if it was even really true. But she just sensed like something wasn't right. And the front of the store had really large glass windows. Mm -hmm. And so she would work the night shift and she's sitting there and she felt, you know, afraid. She would look out into the darkness and wonder who's looking back in at her. Ah, that's so creepy because when you have that feeling, it's, it's the creepiest. I don't know. And, and you know, when you look into a room or you know a store obviously you can see everything and everyone in there but you looking out you can't see anything at all and then to have that feeling mm -mm. Mm, that's why you need a simplex home security system with an emergency (laughs) button promo code no i'm kidding i'm just joking i'm totally code yet i'm totally kidding but no we've Like, seriously, get a panic button. Everyone needs a panic button. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for her. I I mean, I've worked the night shift at places, and everybody knows what it's like to feel afraid when you're, you know, there Mm -hmm. by yourself. Scary, you know. And it's scary to know that she knew somebody was watching, and somebody really was. So one night shortly before closing, Lisa vanished. And when Sophia Maynard showed up for work the next morning, the door was unlocked and the lights and the music were on. And Lisa's car was still in the parking lot and her purse was left behind. The back room was in shambles and a small amount of blood was splattered across some of the boxes in the back room. And Lisa was nowhere to be found and had not shown up for work, you know, at the middle school that morning. Mm. So they knew something terrible had happened. So it was April 16th, 1992. And in addition to working two jobs, Lisa also found the time to teach Sunday school. And had she, I know, 
I know. Had she still been alive, she would have known it was the day before Good Friday. So the Sharas and their one-year-old son were living in Longmeadow, a town less than five miles away from Agawam. And so it made sense that Joyce's husband was glued to the TV whenever that kidnapping had come on the local news because their town in western Massachusetts was a quiet town, not really a lot happened around there. Mm -hmm. And everybody, not just Gary Shara, was focused on her disappearance. So if he stopped whatever he was doing in another room and rushed to the TV, it wasn't that strange. Mm -hmm. Except that night that Lisa had went missing, he had come home late. And when Joyce asked him about where he had been, he couldn't give her a good explanation. Hmm. And he seemed amped up that morning. Uh, And she had noticed cuts on his hands. Everybody liked Gary, her tall, handsome husband. He had no record and he was a good father to their baby. But when Joyce looked at that music box, she didn't like her gut feeling. It was a carousel with a blue horse and it just gave her the creeps. Hmm. So three days later, a dog walker discovers Lisa's partially clothed body in a secluded location off of Route 75 in town, about 300 yards or so away from the road. And it was Easter Sunday, and her body had been left about a mile from the store. Oh, so close. Yeah, she didn't go far. So the 24-year-old had been viciously raped and attacked And her killer stabbed her repeatedly, then slit her throat before leaving the scene. So the police removed Lisa's body and other things, including buttons, a blood-soaked white blouse, and a denim skirt torn in half. So the skirt was not torn along the seams. It was a denim skirt. I don't know if you've ever tried to rip clothing. No, not really. I mean, I... No. But a jean skirt? A jean skirt. Not at the seam is, I mean, you have to use some real force and you got to be a big guy. So they thought, you know, he was strong and they characterized the attack as random and they decided that the two were probably not acquainted Because the location was in an out-of-the-way area, police speculated her killer was local. Like, he knew kind of the ins and outs Mm -hmm. of where to hide someone. Although, she wasn't hidden that well because she was found a few days later. Right. But Joyce was speculating, too. Could her new husband, the father of their child, the good guy that everybody liked, have murdered a woman he didn't know? Why, yes, Joyce. (laughs) He definitely could have. Gary had always pushed the envelope in the bedroom, sometimes holding a knife to her throat (gasps) as part of role-playing games. That's not role-play. That's not (sighs) role-play. And she stayed. I don't get it. So was it possible he had taken his fantasies further? Whether the Sharas had problems before the murder is unknown, but what is clear is that it wasn't long after Lisa's death that their marriage fell apart for good. 
And in August of that year, just four months after that murder, the couple had a fight and the Longmeadow police visited their home. And when they came, Joyce was hiding in the bathroom and she refused to come out. She said through the door that she was fine and she didn't need medical help. I think that she was manipulated, Mm -hmm. hurt. I think he held something over her head. Probably threatened, too. So I think she was scared. But police records give this account of the incident. I arrived and spoke with Mr. Shara. He stated that he went to the grocery store with his wife. And when they were coming home, they had a fight. He dropped her off at the hill near Barbara Lane and proceeded home. A few minutes later, Mrs. Shara came in the house screaming. Her blouse was torn and she had a few scrapes on her side. She wouldn't let her husband see her. I tried to speak to her through the door of the bathroom. She stated she was fine. I asked to see her and she said she didn't want to see anybody. Hmm. I advised Mr. Shara that if he finds out anything else to contact the department. So I think Gary beat the shit out of her that night. Mm-hmm. And, and probably said, if you talk to the cops, I will maybe do something to the baby or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I think she may have also insinuated that he may have been involved in Lisa's murder. Mm-hmm. And he lost his shit. Probably. In the events that followed... Um, It does seem she was threatened because when the couple split in November of 1992, Gary won temporary custody of the couple's son. Huh? Yeah. And Joyce silently did not contest the order. And at first when I read that, I thought, well, why on earth would a mom not fight for their child? But why would a mother not automatically kind of get custody so in january of 1993 she got permission for a non-custodial visit with her son just under two years old and at her first opportunity she picked him up buckled him in as you do and she drove him to the fucking airport (laughs) oh nice (laughs) the two of them boarded a plane to seattle where she had gotten an apartment near her mother and disappeared like rock stars because she knew something was wrong, very wrong, with the man she called her husband. You know, and she was, obviously, she took off. She was so scared, and it was not just, uh, she wasn't just suspicious of it. I mean, maybe there was even a conversation between those two where he kind of admitted it. I mean, she was obviously so scared that she took off at the first chance she got. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I think that she loved her son so much. Mm -hmm. And she was probably terrified in that courtroom to not say anything, to not Mm -hmm. fight, and just silently wait for that opportunity. Right. Smart move. And maybe he said, if you tell anyone, I will kill you just like I killed her, or I will kill... The baby, whatever. Mm. So meanwhile, Gary is scrambling to find them. 
I'm sure probably because she knows about the murder. She knows the truth Mm -hmm. and he wants to get to her and get his son. Anyway, he filed a criminal complaint for parental kidnapping against her, which resulted in a warrant for her arrest. And it was at this point that he began a long relationship with the police, as well as the district attorney's office and the FBI. The FBI is chasing this mom. And she's like, no, (laughs) I'm going with my son. Yeah. So he kind of is buddy, buddy. Yeah. He's feel sorry for me. Help me out. I'm a great dad. She just took off with my son and. You know, the police didn't have any other reason to believe not. So, okay, Ed Kemper. (laughs) When authorities called Joyce's apartment in Washington, a woman they believed was her mother answered and told them she had no idea where her daughter and grandson were. The officer would later record his words to her. So I explained we were concerned with the welfare of the child and just wanted to ensure that he was safe. The woman told me that the boy is safe. And he sporadically, Gary, remained in touch with the police over the next seven years regarding his son and ex-wife. And in one case, he accused her of cashing his income tax return. (laughs) (laughs) Taxes. At one point, he tried to enter his son's name into a database for missing and endangered children. He's like, how dare you take this tax return of mine? Right. You the know. child is mine. It's my tax credit. <laughs> the police and the FBI continued to regularly contact Gary to follow up on his efforts to regain custody of his son. And Joyce had informed her attorney and tipped off police about the music box the night of the murder and shared she felt that Gary was involved. Shortly after Gary's move to Agawam in 1999, he has the audacity to move back to the town. Mm -hmm. The police followed up on Joyce's tip and gave him a call. He agreed to stop at the station, but the next day, his attorney advised them that that wouldn't be happening. (laughs) Wonder why. Joyce was out to get Gary because of the divorce proceedings, he said, adding that her claims were absurd. And Gary would not be meeting with police or providing a DNA sample. So he had a pretty good attorney. Hmm. When police investigated the claim, friends of Gary, as well as Gary's mother, told them Joyce was a depressed, mentally unstable alcoholic. Oh, Jesus. And at the time, other women were allegedly also calling in with similar tips. So she must have enjoyed a drink or two. So according to Dateline... The tip from Joyce's attorney went into the massive file along with all the others. So they had a lot of leads. Gary was not interviewed about the murder until 2002. Wow. That's like 20 years later. 92? Oh, 2002. Not 2012. Almost 10 years later. 10 years later. Yeah. 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 I said almost. (laughs) That's like, no. Ten years later. Okay. So when Agawam... Ooh, our math skills are on point. <laughs> I'm going to pee my pants. Stop it. When, when Agawam police first questioned him, he touched nothing. He wore a trench coat as well as gloves and kept his hands in his pockets the entire time. Smart little shit. Yeah, because if he would touch something... 
there they they can you know there's his dna if you drank some water coffee whatever in that interview, he refused to give a DNA sample, citing concerns about cloning. Mm. You might clone me with yeah, my like, DNA. Yeah, like, we want two of you, Gary. <laughs> the person who interviewed Gary described him as extremely polite, despite the bizarre cloning explanation. Police had no evidence to link him to the actual crime, or even to Lisa. They had nothing but a missing ex-wife's old claims. So after the short, non-recorded interview ended... Gary lived as a free man for another six years. Wow. This just went on way too long. Police brought him in again in 2008, 16 years after the murder, but he again denied any involvement in the crime. So sitting well away from the table in the interview room, I just, I try to imagine this guy Mm -hmm. like the boy in the bubble. He just, he was careful not to touch anything and refused the bottled water. Once again, police had offered him And a questioner remarked, I think this may be the first time we're getting your side of the story as to how she was trying to link you to the homicide back there. So Gary goes on to say, yeah, I don't know why she would claim that during our divorce. What? What are you talking about? (laughs) Boy in the bubble. I mean, he was probably wearing a wool hat, sunglasses, a face mask. Oh, Jesus. But I do have a question, though. Yes. Isn't there such a thing where they can get a court order or something for your DNA? Can they make you? I'm asking, really. Initially, no. You can refuse to give a DNA sample. Um... But we will get into this a little bit later. But yeah, if I like if I ask you for your DNA right now, straight away, you can tell me no. Now, there may come a time and a place and a day when you won't have that right over your own body. But okay, I gotcha. So he walked out of the station a free man for the second time and police had no DNA from him. I would just follow him to a restaurant. That's just me. I follow him. Yeah, everywhere. I'm such a creeper. You and I, Cag- I Cagney, <laughs> Cagney and Lacey, Lacey. <laughs> we'll hop in our ride, follow him to Taco Bell. <laughs> we're watching you. Oh, my you. God. Authorities weren't the only ones who were skeptical of Joyce, however. Even a family member who spoke to the Republican anonymously in 2017 said, I always thought maybe Joyce was just being a crazy drunk, but she wasn't. She was right. She was trying to save her son's life. So while Joyce was living in fear and the FBI was hunting her down, Gary continued working with police to get his son back. Other detectives were still investigating the Zygert case. Rumors that Lisa's boyfriend had murdered her flew around Agawam. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Police could not rule either of them out and also continued to search for a man Several health club members said used to stare at Lisa while she worked out. A key had been missing from Lisa's keychain, so they were kind of trying to follow that lead too. Um, Nothing came of that. One person reported hearing sounds from the back room that night. Another said they had heard a couple struggling in a car not far from where Lisa's body was found. Mm. They had several tips that were leading them in the wrong direction, basically. The crime remained unsolved. And Detective Lieutenant Robert D. Campbell, bubbling with frustration, said, This is someone who has blended right back into society. It's like a chameleon. And this is one of those cases where the DNA 
25 years later, comes mm. back to bite you and saves That's the a day. beautiful thing. I just totally sang. You did. <gasps> it's like somebody sprayed Aquanet to preserve the evidence. Mm-hmm. That would do it too. <laughs> so as time passed, technology was changing and he had left DNA and semen on Lisa's torn denim skirt. And in 1992, um, you know, the technology was relatively new, but decades had passed. They were able to kind of retrieve more from it. And in 2017, 25 years after the crime, Parabon Labs created sketches of the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, one as a young man and another as a middle-aged adult using the information garnered from the DNA phenotype, which includes hair and eye color, as well as details about the geographic ancestry. So while it wasn't spot on, Gary didn't like really resemble either picture his name was still in the file. Mm-hmm. So it did do some good. I was hoping for an exact picture. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been really awesome. But, you know, anyway. But he, even just that they can do that is amazing. I like, mean. That's crazy. It Yeah. they It narrowed it down to 11 suspects. Wow. So then at that point, they had probable cause, and then they were able to demand his DNA. Oh, bravo. Bravo. Okay. Bravo, Parabon Labs. Yes, shout out. Joyce never saw uh, the phenotype pictures. She had died of undetermined causes on the West Coast in 2014. Now, she was still in hiding. No obituary ran in any paper, and the causes of her death have not been released to the public. She struggled with alcohol and depression for most of those years. And the whereabouts of her son are unknown, but he is turning 30 this year. Aww. Yeah. I bet your grandma took care of him. I think so, too. Shout out to that grandma who was yeah. like, who? Who kept her mouth shut. Yeah, she's like, what daughter? Yeah, I don't, who? I don't, they're not here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What badass moms. But all that time, 21 years, she spent it hiding from the FBI. I cannot imagine. Trying to protect her son. Very cool mom. Yeah. My mom's cool too. Just, yeah. she'd do the same thing for me. Of course she would. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Gary had found a long-term girlfriend, made friends, and held a variety of jobs. Oh, variety of jobs. He didn't hold a job. He... <laughs> Meanwhile, he was out having fun, gallivanting. Mm-hmm. He worked at some local restaurants, including Hof, Hof Brew House. Hof Boy House. What? Say it one more time. Hof Boy House. Yeah, so Claudia is German. <laughs> <laughs> I love that place. Oh. So you've been there? Mm-hmm. I've been to a couple of them. There's one in Cincy. It's actually, I think, across the river, and it might be actually in Kentucky, but it's in the Cincinnati area, and then one in Vegas. So, yeah, they're fun. Apparently, it's a popular place. He was a manager there for a few years in the late 90s. Interesting. Did you go in the late 90s? No. Okay. No. Okay. Had to think about it for a second. So, according to the owner, Joe Stevens, Shara was 
great at ushering customers to favorite tables, opening their wine, and supervising the rhythm of the place. Stephen said he was polite, competent, even-tempered, and suited for the job. So he was like Ted Bundy, good-looking, reasonably good personality, Stephen said. He never suspected he had a dark side and even trusted Gary enough to let him roughhouse with his daughters. Mm. Just a regular guy, very outgoing. He could talk to almost anyone. Gag me. Mm. So for more than two decades, it seemed the crime would never be solved despite efforts by investigators and a push by the Zygarts family to keep the case alive. Joyce had been right all along. And after the phenotype came out in 2017, a grand jury ordered the men on the narrowed down suspect list to submit the samples straight away. And an officer headed over to Gary's West Springfield apartment and left a message with his roommate. And that's when Gary got desperate. Uh Uh-oh. So he writes this confession letter. And it's a letter to his girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. Which, can you imagine? He writes this letter. And it's like, hey... (laughs) I know you love me. I love you too. Mm-hmm. And listen, there are some things I did in my past that they're going to tell you are true. And I just want you to know that it's all true. <laughs> that I murdered someone. That, you know, it happened and I can't take it back. His new plan is to off himself. Oh. That's the new I plan. I you he was too dumb to do that. <laughs> He was. He was. Oh, you're not wrong. As always, you're getting so good at just, you know. Because he's a dumbass. He is a dumbass. He says, and I quote, I've never really been or even felt normal. From a very young age, I was fascinated by abduction and bondage. I could never keep it too far from my mind for long. On that fateful day, I let myself do something terrible. He left the handwritten letter along with a will and a brief apology to Lisa's family. So sorry. Oh, Gary. For his girlfriend and then fled the area. All right. So the girlfriend submits the letter to the police. Mm -hmm. So he shows up at a hospital in Connecticut being treated for his suicide attempt. (laughs) Stop! Stop! Uh, you try to kill yourself. You can't even do that right. But then you take yourself to the hospital. Because <laughs> you don't want to bleed out or whatever he did. If you're good enough to kill someone else. You've had practice. No shit. Come on. So his DNA has since been entered into a national database. It's currently being compared to DNA found at other crime scenes. His confession letter alleges he never committed another murder, but, you know, we'll see. During court proceedings, he changed his plea from not guilty to guilty and is now serving life in prison without the possibility of parole. Nice. Can I get an amen? Amen. Mm. So, okay, his letter said, what was it, abduction kidnapping and bondage was always on his mind or what was it yeah yeah so you know that was not his first time no 
you know, he may have not killed anybody else. Maybe. I don't know. But he said it's never been far from my mind. And somebody like that doesn't commit just one crime well, and stops. Let's go back to Janice, his wife. Yeah. Held a knife to her throat for role play. Right. And mm-hmm. then that night... You know, the torn blouse, mm-hmm. you know, that same aggressive ripping of clothing. Girlfriend, new girlfriend, what's up? Has he held a knife to your throat? Mm-hmm. What kind of red flags Right. did he give you? Yeah, I'll bet you there were plenty of other crimes. Agree. Hmm. Yeah, he probably got away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean... Bubble boy. That's all I keep envisioning. He's just like, I won't touch that. I'm not touching anything. Yeah. Well, good. That was a good one. Thank you. So, yeah. So, he got away with being free for 25 years. Isn't that crazy? So, hopefully now he'll die behind bars. I just think it's cool that Joyce was the one that put him there. Nice. Yeah. Very good. I hope his, not, well, I don't want to call him his son, but is doing okay. You said he'll be 30 this year? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Considering f- her love of music, it seemed fitting that a music box would lead to the imprisonment of her murderer. So our token is the music box. And um, so I just wanted to insert a little gift corner Welcome to our gift corner. Ooh, we have a gift corner. We do. Okay. Gifts that we want, but we'll never buy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's this long. (laughs) And maybe gifts we don't want. Yeah. A music box is on it. You don't want one? No. All right. Well, here's something extremely odd that I saw that I... That I want, and I can't explain. Well, I can kind of explain why. So on Etsy, they have these cross-stitch pronoun earrings that I loved. They were my whole heart, because I'm kind of a grammar nerd, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a sucker for cross-stitch. Like, something that looks okay, like... Okay, grandma. Shh. <laughs> no, no, no. Something that looks like an, a grandma-made mm-hmm. cross-stitch... But, you know, I love it when it's got, like, something snarky on it. Okay. Where it's, you know, I'll bury you in the backyard. Ooh. Is that what it says? Sure. That's what, that's where it's at. How big are those? I don't know. Because, you know, when you see a picture online, Mm -hmm. it's hard to to tell how large it is. And Mm -hmm. I'm terrible at that. I'll order it and then it will be this (laughs) big. I can't wear that on my ear. Yeah. It's like a watermelon. All right. In theory, I want it just to look at it. Maybe hang it on my wall. Anyway, I thought they were cute. Yes. I want everything in cross stitch that's snarky and (laughs) inappropriate because the, the thought of a grandma item, yeah, quote unquote, you would say, uh, mixed with some snarkiness. Can't like get enough it. of it. Can't okay. get enough of it. I like the snarkiness. I'm not into s- s- cross stitch and stuff. Mm. Well, now we know what to not get you. Yeah, and no music box, please. 
anything on See, your... See, but what you have as far as, you know, cross-stitch, I am with t-shirts. I like oh. snarky t-shirts, anything vulgar, <laughs> inappropriate, love it. Funny you should mention that because somebody needs to make us some judgy t-shirts. Yes. Anybody out there making t-shirts? We're looking. We're looking for you. Yes. We can't wait. Anyway, uh, hope you guys liked today's Music Box Murder. And um, check out our pictures on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Who the heck these people are. That 80s hair that you can't get enough of. Love it. I love it already. (laughs) Well, stay tuned. Stay Aquanet. Hold on. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.